Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Well, good morning, New Jersey. It is Thursday, August the 13th. I'm Bob Williams, and this is the Jim Gerhardt Podcast for the week Yay! of August And there he is, our <laughs> humble host, Jim Gerhardt. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, good morning. Good morning. Uh, this uh, I, I was thinking this morning of the uh, the great American philosopher, Roseanne Rosanna Dana. Remember her? <laughs> of course. And, and Roseanne Rosanna Dana, the original Saturday Night Live cast going way back. Some people may not remember that. But her uh, tagline was, it's always something. <laughs> and lo and behold, it's always something. Oh, just first, this weather. Uh, it's getting to be unprecedented now. Part uh, Different parts of the country now reporting the warmest weather that they've ever had. The most rainfall uh, occurred. And we get all of these. We got big forest fires going. We've got these terrible storms. Did you have one yesterday? Oh, yeah, we, we've had them. And they're, they're happening right now. Yeah. Uh, through the central part of the state, a real soaker moving through a real slow mover right yeah. now. We and, and you got in the Midwest this uh, so-called derecho, this great storm. They had 10 million acres of crops wiped out. Wow. 10 million acres, and this is billions of dollars worth. Now, what I, I think a significance of that is, well, obviously it's a big significance to, to farmers, and I guess to uh, to animal livestock growers, because much of this corn and all they grow goes to feeding animals. In fact, the lion's share of it does. Uh, and the rest of the corn, I think, is ground into this corn syrup that they say is going to kill us if we eat it. So uh, we won't miss that part of it. But uh, the, the thing is, have you noticed uh, the I'm uh, pretty much a vegetarian and it noticed the price of produce. Yesterday, I noticed a, a head of, of cauliflower, small one, right. was like four dollars. Well, that's a pretty substantial jump. Yeah. yeah, and all of this is going up, and, and I think what's happening, what's going to happen, I think we can predict, I don't know how severe, there's going to be either a food shortage, it may be to some people, but essentially the, the cost is going to go way up of agricultural products. I don't know, do, uh, now, has meat gone up? I, don't, I haven't bought any It has gone up a bit. It was supposed to have gone up a lot more. I, I have seen it increase, but not as much as some of the, the, the analysts had said back in the uh, early spring. Uh, late spring, early summer, about uh-huh. three, but it's certainly gone up. Yes. But you've got a couple of things. You have the devastated crops. You've got this bad weather and you also have now in California, that's in the bread basket of the country out in Iowa, Nebraska, Illinois, and around there that this, this great damage was done. But you also on the West coast have a problem with the, the great ab- agricultural uh, enterprises in California because they are depleting the water supply and polluting the water supply. The water's becoming salinated because they're pumping all of the water out of the aquifer to water crops and to waste through leaking antiquated water systems in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And what's happening is when they deplete that, the land goes down, but also the salinized water from the ocean 
start yeah. to creep in through osmosis underground into that. Right. And so we uh, don't be surprised. And I hate to be the harbinger of bad news. That and the fact that you say, well, I'll eat seafood. Yeah, well, we're poisoning the ocean. <laughs> we're filling that with plastic. So yeah. I, let, let's let's get on to something good. This yeah. was, in a sense, a relief. They say that uh, uh, Senator Biden had picked uh, Camilla Harris, Mrs. Harris, or, or uh, Mrs. Uh, what, what, oh, Amhoff, I think she she. Who, who was a very interesting lady, really. I didn't know very much about her. She is a senator from California, as you know. But here, here was my thought, that uh, obviously she is not picked personally by the presidential candidate. She is picked by the party. I think it was a very bright move on their part, not necessarily because of, of, of her and the, the race issue and, and other the political, ideological reasons, but the fact that it, keeps the two candidates closer to the middle than the uh, what the radicals in the Democratic Party had wanted. Now, one thing I said that this was kind of good news, I thought this was a kind of a relief in a sense, because even though the conservatives and the conservative spokesman went uh, apoplectic over this, ranting and raving about the choice, so did the progressive radical wing, the Bernie Sanders and the other people, the, these young twits who want to socialize the country, they were just as angry, apparently, because not one of them was put into that post. Now, while this is, uh, why this is, is important, now, I don't know this. This is purely conjecture, and it's sort of a, uh, a, a fantasy, if you want to call it that, not based on any fact, but just let's do this scenario. Let's say that we have an election in November, if indeed it comes off, the Democrats win and Mr. Biden becomes the president and Mrs. Uh, uh, Harris, we'll say, becomes the vice president. Now, we know from the behavior and observed behavior of both presidential candidates, there is some cognitive decline in question here, to say the least. I would propose this little scenario based on nothing but, I guess, my, my, my observations, I would not be surprised if not terribly long into the Biden presidency, we suddenly get an announcement that the president is going to be incapacitated for a short while. Uh, not anything really serious, but he has been under terrible stress because of the mighty works that he has done in his mighty brain, you know, in the office of the presidency. And it requires that the president take some time off to uh, sort of de-stress. And we'll all understand that. And everybody will be very, you know, empathetic toward that. And in the meantime, the vice president will take over the duties of the president. Right. There, that is what I see happening. And uh, our, our, I, I see in my, in my fantasy anyway. But don't be surprised if something like that does happen. Well, no, there's been a couple of polls out there. There's been a couple of polls out the last uh, week or so that are, are just uh, to your point saying that a majority of voters or likely voters feel the same way that, you know, that uh, a President Biden would not uh, fulfill the uh, four years of his term, that the vice president would eventually secede yeah. and, uh, and, and take over. Well, of course, we're all speculating. But, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of a natural when you see him. Uh, the uh, Mr. Biden is 77 years old. Now, to some of us. 
that's not old. <laughs> but uh, and so I think Donald Trump's about the same. But things happen to you. And believe me, because I've been through it, I speak from experience. You might be perfectly physically and mentally fit as you get older and into that age bracket and beyond it. But what happens is the brain, the human brain, consumes, what is it, uh, uh, about, I think, 75% or something of the energy, of your energy, is consumed by the brain. Now, as you get older, you have diminishing energy, whether it's the Newton's law of entropy or what, but your energy becomes depleted. And so not necessarily in everybody. I'm sure that there have been geniuses operating at 100. Let's hope that he does and, and we all do, especially me. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm within spitting distance of it. But I, I think you have to consider things like that just, just uh, as, as being human beings. Now, what I was, in a sense, heartened by, I had thought when I first had this notion that it's going to be one of these real radical twits that here we go delivered into the hands of the, uh, I don't know names of all of them, but you know who I'm talking about, the real radical left. But since they are upset now because the, that their person wasn't chosen, then I think that this kind of speaks highly of uh, Mrs. Harris. Mm. And so it's very possible that we may endure a period of semi-moderation. Now, we're going to have a lot of problems. Now, uh, here, now I'm going to make a suggestion. I know I'm rambling on about this, but give it some thought. I, I think you, in the presidential election, if you feel because of what you've always done, what your parents did, I have to vote Democratic. I can't not. My granddaddy will be, you know, turning over in his sarcophagus. OK, but vote. Do not vote the Democrats into the Congress. Do not let the Democratic candidate go in with a democratic and to certainly an overwhelming extent as it could possibly be democratic with the black check you have hard blanche then to do anything they want now uh anybody even a moderate who gets into the office is going to be very strongly uh well uh obliged to this radical left because they will be the, the mobilizing the votes they will have a certain place at the table when it comes to policy. Now, what you've got hugely important is right after the election, no matter who wins, they're finally going to let poor Mrs. Ginsburg, the Supreme Court justice, retire, I think. <laughs> no, this lady, it, I feel so bad for her because they have practically exhumed this very ill, sick lady and let her, made her sit on the court just to keep the liberal seat going. Right. Now, the Democrats or the Republican president will get to pick a successor on the Supreme Court. This is the big issue at hand. President Schmesident, the it's the Supreme Court balance that is either going to go to a, a, a what four to three or five to whatever majority that is our constitutionalists. Or it's going to the more liberal, which means the Constitution is going to be dismantled by their decisions because it's up to them to interpret the Constitution and they can interpret it any way they want. And so you've already lost, pretty much lost the, uh, the First Amendment for all practical purposes, not legislatively, not judicially. But for some dumb damn reason, which I don't understand, we have given it away. 
by knuckling under. And that's another story I want to get into here in a while this morning. It's happening in New Jersey. But anyway, I, I suppose I rest my case there. I think is a possibility that I, I think maybe part of it is the old saying, the what the enemy of my enemy is my enemy. The friend of my what is the friend of my enemy is my enemy. The enemy of my you know the saying. It's an old saying. <laughs> and, and I think that she is certainly the lesser of the evils that might be represented by the left. She seems to be more mainstream liberal. And uh, she comes from, uh, it's very interesting ethnically. Her mother is a uh, 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 Indian. She came from her mother from India, who was a brilliant doctor, physician. Her father, a very distinguished professor of economics, at uh, University of California. And so here's a person who comes from uh, a good intellectual environment and obviously is quite bright. And uh, again, married, settled. So she does not really fit the profile of one of these radical young twits or the older twits, really, who are trying to drag us kicking and streaming into socialism. So Instead of utter chaos after the election, there is a possibility. Now, she may, you know, fool me. Uh, there is a possibility that we could at least have an interim period of stability, some stability. Although there's going to be economic difficulties, big ones, that how they're going to make up for all this, this phony money they've been printing so they can do all these handouts. I don't know how it'll play out. Uh, on the other side, I think we were talking about cognitive impairment. An argument could be made that the candidate for presidency on the other side might have a screw or two loose. <laughs> so I, I think I'll rest my case right here, Bob. Uh, but I, I thought I would mention that because that, that seems to be what everybody's talking about today. But we, uh, we, we, we touched on this last week, uh, the voting by mail controversy. Yeah. Uh, is voting by mail a safe way to do? Uh, compared to absentee ballots or voting in person, that's still to be determined. I just want to, you know, follow up what we were saying last week. I don't feel that the voting by mail thing is reliable enough that it's going to, you know, reflect uh, an accurate um, uh, election result, no matter who uh, is the winner. Um, I will tell you this, um, related to the IRS, I mailed my tax return and I owed the uh, the extended deadline was July 15th. I mailed it on July 10th from the local post office, made sure I got a postmark. Would you believe my check has not been cashed by the IRS and we're four weeks past? So I don't even know if they received the darn thing. So oh, I'm sure they probably did. I, I don't know. But but you, you must remember, they're probably inundated right now with everybody. Right. Who waited so, if, so if they're inundated, how how on earth are is election, uh, you know, uh, the the elections yeah. or the states or wherever these votes go? How are they well, going to be tabulated on a on a timely basis, as opposed well, to waiting two months for? It doesn't for matter who wins; the other side is going to claim fraud. I mean, it, it's a given, and that may tie everything up for a while. Uh, remember back in uh, what was it? Was it 1990? Yeah, the Bush Gore election. How uh, that just went on and on and on with the Florida tabs and everything. All the protests and, and uh, so the and you've had fraud before win an election in, in 1960, Richard Nixon versus John Kennedy. 
Kennedy won the election by uh, what a couple of hundred thousand fraudulent vote or fraudulent votes in Chicago. Right. And at that time, it was obvious they could have appealed that. Nixon, going by some old morality, said no to do that would be very disturbing to the the country. Mm. That the nation would be thrown into some kind of uh, polarization, <laughs> and so he didn't want to be a part of that. Well, right now we are super polarized. But he didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. I got one more thing, Bob. I want to get on. And that is the thing that's going on at Stockton uh, University. Right. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with this story. And I think Dennis had written a piece on it recently. Uh, a Stockton student, Stockton University in, in New Jersey, of course, faces discipline for using a photo of President Donald Trump as background during a virtual class as part of a doctoral program. And uh, the crime uh, was, and I quote now, now mind you, Stockton University says it has 10,000 students, 10,000. The school says, officials of the school say that he is going possibly to, he's going to have to have a hearing. He may be suspended. He'll have to go to sensitivity training. A couple of students, that's a quote, a couple of students. Now, by definition, a couple means two. Two students felt that the the post during that class, the posting of President Trump's image was, quote, offensive and threatening mm. and made them feel offended, disrespected and tainted. Just That's two, two out of the thousand. 999,000 or whatever it is, students apparently did not have strong feelings about that. And so... Uh, Bob left. Where'd he go? Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I will continue here. Uh, In the post, he had said, now this is a graduate student, that he was done with the leftist agenda uh, that he had seen during his college career. And he also mentioned that he was uh, done with, I think was his expression, what he called white self-haters, which, of course, is fostered that that particular view is fostered on the college campus, as we all know that. So the two complaining students said they found that potentially racist and intolerant. Right. Potentially. Two. Two. Now, the uh, kid, they said, faces suspension and forced into sensitivity indoctrination. Now, I want to take a moment and talk about that. Does that ring a bell that he is being sent to this, in a sense, amounts to indoctrination, because whether you call it sensitivity training or what, they put you there and you have to somehow come over and go out of there claiming that you understand you were wrong and that here is the party line. Right. Much of it is good. But anyway, here's the party line. Here's what you will believe. In China, they're getting great criticism uh, from us because in this province in Western China, the Chinese government is sending millions of ethnic Uzbeks, I guess, are are, uh, people from Central Asia. They're Chinese, but they are largely Muslim. Now, they're all being sent, as you know, to these what amounts to prison camps for reindoctrination, for re-education. So that they will have to give up any old belief they have and become, quote, Chineseized. And so it's the same as the Russians when they sent people off to the gulags. For re- uh, now, this is not nearly as extreme, obviously. Uh, this, this 
sensitivity training, but it certainly is a form of indoctrination, re-indoctrination. Now, my problem is, does this become, when this left movement continues, what is now sort of aberrations, things that are absolutely absurd? What happens when they become institutionalized under a leftist regime in this country? Right. And so it's not this school acting, the management of the school acting like a bunch of numb nuts. This would be then in the law that these things would happen, that everybody would have to believe the same thing. Right. And this, of course, is, is a great potential, too. So uh, I guess it, and, and it's in, in China, in Russia, totalitarian countries for all practical purposes, you either tow the party line or potentially you have to go be, quote, corrected or punished or annihilated. Yeah. Now, we haven't gone that far, but we're doing the same thing. Right. We're putting in the same direction. Now, if the liberals, the progressive, these people who are coming up with all of this idiocy, if they're in the catbird seat, it is very scary for what we are in for, yeah. I think. So, so that, that's a scary thing. That's going in New Jersey. You know, I was very proud of New Jersey because I said, you know, all this crap going on in the schools and otherwise, we haven't really had any big outbreaks of this in New Jersey. Right. So I was rather proud of that. But uh, maybe possibly here we go. So we have uh, the Governor Murphy's had quite a week. He won his lawsuit on the uh, against the 10 billion borrowing um campaign that he did they got approved so that is a, a done deal apparently so we will get that 10 billion to uh, bail out whatever he's going to bail out and he's also had a busy week with his uh, position on the schools for the uh, for the public schools for the fall originally had given the offering um to do an optional remote versus hybrid uh thing for the school systems and now he came out this week saying that schools have the ability to go completely remote so you got to take your position on that. Uh, I mean, this, this does nothing for education. I, I, in practical reality, I understand that it is not a good idea for kids to go back to school. They're not going to follow the rules at all. And there's almost no way that they can. Communication with everybody wearing face masks is going to be somewhat difficult. And I can understand that, but making it, uh, again, it's almost voluntary. Now education is compulsory. Yeah. This moves it into the area of volunteerism. The kid can sit there looking at if they give him a free device or what, paying no attention to it, you know, turn it on and then go watch old movies or play video games, whatever they do. So uh, this, is, this is a tricky one. It's a touchy one. As I said last week, I'm beginning to have a little bit of sympathy for our leadership, let's include our governor, because you're dealing with a population that you have to pretend is wise <laughs> and uh, certainly self-interest, uh, but they're acting like a bunch of fools. Right. Now, on the other side of the coin, we have the, New, the NJBIA, the New Jersey Small Business Association, with Michelle Sikirka sending a letter to the governor saying, Governor, it's time to open. We're dying on the vine here. We don't have much more time. We need to get these small businesses back on regular schedules with uh, full operations. So there you go. There you got one association pushing to get things open and the NJEA on the other side, for whatever reasons, encouraging uh, things to stay 
closed or uh, sequestered. It's a bad scene. It's a very bad scene. Uh, you could make arguments on either side of that. The economy is uh, in the process of becoming devastated, which have huge long-term effects. You know something, I, I get it. We got a second. Yeah, sure. Okay. I, 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 I had kind of a, a change of view. Uh, when they first started saying, uh, remember that to say that the flu was a Chinese flu was xenophobic right. and we didn't say Chinese flu. We had and then they came to say, OK, we'll say the Chinese Communist Party did it. And I thought, well, here's more political correctness. And it occurred to me. I love that. I like that. You don't blame the Chinese people. I don't want people to saying that the American people started the Afghan war. I didn't. I didn't want anything to do with it. And two sons who came very close to not coming back from it. Right. So I, I have reason to to not be fond of that area, that move. So I don't want people saying the Americans did it. The American government did it. Uh, the uh, so uh, the, uh, I'm beginning to think, and again, this is think, no evidence, that maybe some of this stuff was done on purpose. The spreading of this virus, the manufacture of the virus. Uh, because if you look at it, it would have been brilliant move, military if you want, or, or international move to advance your own country to the detriment of other countries by making them all sick, devastating their economies. <laughs> and, and you don't have to fire a shot. Yeah. Uh, so I would not put it past what we call the Chinese Communist Party when all this, this dust settles down. And because of the interconnectedness of the world and especially the economies now, we can't come out and blame anybody for it, uh, except the World Health Organization. I understand we're not going to give them any money anymore. Right. But uh, so I, I, I'm kind of rethinking that because it is, after all, a very sound military strategy. People say, boy, what if the Chinese with their satellites up there and they're building a big station on the other side of the moon, which will be completely hidden. They can neutralize all the electricity on Earth. They can wreck our computer systems and bring us to our knees. The potential is there. And the potential, of course, um, maybe the virus was simply a rehearsal. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, as these big countries jockey for power. But what frightens me, and I'll, I'll leave on this note, what frightens me is this country, which is supposed to be the most powerful, mighty country in the world, spends billions on defense of the country, at the same time cannot protect its citizens from a bunch of mobs in the streets, or doesn't have the will to do that, I should yeah. say. Good point. So uh, that's, that's a little uh, something that uh, shivers your timbers a bit. Okay. That's pretty much it. So uh, good talking to you. Thanks for everybody for uh, chiming in here on the Facebook Live feed. Uh, we do this every Thursday morning live here on Facebook Live on the New Jersey 101.5 page, 10.30 every Thursday. You can get it on demand at nj1015.com and on the New Jersey 101.5 app. Bob Williams here. Jim, thanks again. Hang on. I want, I want to end this with a short prayer. I don't know who wrote this, but I think it's app. It said, Providence that watches over children, drunkards, and fools with silent miracles and other esoterica, please continue to suspend the ordinary rules and bless the United States of America. Amen. Selah. Bless you. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.
Gerhardt's back. The more things change, the more they stay the same. From NJ1015.com, this is the new Jim Gerhardt Podcast. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.